What's Good Friends List, episode 106 of the Game Pass Gamecast, coming at you. Dead Space seems to be a franchise that always sticks in people's minds when talking about reviving past IPs. Yet, with its original studio Visceral Games closing down almost four years ago, a reboot has drifted off in the eyes of longtime fans. That is, until new rumors of a revival began circulating around the franchise. But the question still remains, will this really be a true Dead Space title? So, this week, we examine the rumors surrounding EA mode of helming a rebooted approach to the beloved survival horror franchise, and if it's the experience that fans have truly been hoping for. Can we expect a true single-player narrative approach to the game, or could it be used as a blanket IP to mask a live-service title? Also, Assassin's Creed seems to be going the infinity route with live services. The Coalition is looking to show off what they can do with Unreal Engine 5 later this month and much, much more coming up on the newest jam-packed episode of the Game Pass Gamecast. <laughs> now the fun begins. Bridget. Welcome back to another episode of the Game Pass Gamecast, your weekly go-to podcast for all things Xbox, Xbox Game Pass, and PC gaming, including news, rumors, and conversations around them damn good video games. You can catch new episodes of the show when we drop each and every Friday morning on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, and all other major podcast services. So be sure to subscribe to us, rate us, review us, all that jazz, the whole rigmarole I tell you every week. Wherever you get a podcast at, find us on there. And follow us on Twitter at GPGC Podcast. Stay up to date with everything regarding the show, video games like and our dope giveaways. I'm your host as always, Travis White, a.k.a. Travelist on most internet platforms. Joining me back in action once again, it's been a while. My partner <laughs> in crime, my dynamic duo, Mike Peepack. Mike, what's good? What's going on? And for the first time in a long time, what have you been playing and what's been going on in your life? I feel like... Granted, I saw you recently in person, yeah. thank God, but like, I feel like it's been a minute since we sat down and recorded the fucking show. <laughs> Absolutely, it's been a minute, and unfortunately, you know, sometimes life gets a little crazy. First year, you know, life returning to as close to normal as humanly possible post-COVID, mm -hmm. for me at least. So we got a golf trip in this past weekend. Uh, the week before that, spent some time in Disney and Orlando, so just been a, a little bit of a traveling man, but... Uh, I haven't spent a ton of time playing video games. What I have played is uh, spent a l quite a bit of time playing some Valorant recently. Um, just kind of getting back into that game a little bit. Um, mm -hmm. What I would like to spend this itty-bitty amount of time uh, talking about is just some of the announcements that have come out with Halo as far as like the eSports realm. Um, mm -hmm. Tashi, the community development, uh, the head of community development over there at 343, especially when it, uh, with eSports, talking, uh, you know, giving us a little bit of an insight as to what to expect coming with the Halo tournaments and the Halo eSports scene is coming up very shortly. I think he's going to be releasing a uh, blog post here uh, pretty shortly, like uh, by before the end of the month. But most importantly... We saw a blog post come out that kind of outlined what to expect from organizations and teams, because quite frankly, the Halo uh, universe, as far as esports is concerned, has been a little bit of a tumultuous one because organizations have been 
kind of fly by night in the in the realm of Halo coming in, coming uh coming in and leaving kind of at their own will. Um so they released a little bit of an expectation and what to expect for uh competitors that they're actually going to be creating partnerships with organizations going forward for the esports realm, which I think is a huge improvement. I think it's a great way to kind of get some brand loyalty going because that's one thing that Halo's always been kind of lacking is, especially since the MLG days, people were fans of Final Boss, Straight Rippin', Instinct, whatever you were te- uh, a fan of, you were a fan of the team, but you were also a big fan of the players, where I think recently with Halo Esports, people have just been fans of players because that's all you can be fans of because teams are so... Teams change so rapidly and things mm-hmm. of that nature. It's not quite as crazy as the franchise system that Call of Duty has introduced to us, but um, we are seeing some good stuff come out of this because, quite frankly, you know, you're going to see teams and at least organizations. You're going to be able to be fans of organizations first, which is something that, you know, I kind of uh, have with CSGO, especially. Uh, I'm a Liquid fan. One of the reasons why I'm a huge Liquid fan is because of Eric Adren Hogue being a Pittsburgh guy, being a pro in CS for quite a long time. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was a huge fan of them. And I think that I'm going to be able to be a fan of Liquid and, and Halo if they come back. And I think we're going to see a lot more bigger organizations come back into the Halo esports world because there's going to be a lot more uh, understanding between Halo uh, 343 and the organizations. And there's going to be a better you know, payout structure and, and all those expectations are going to be much better uh, with Infinite is what it seems than in previous iterations of the game. Mm-hmm. No, that's good. And and definitely, too, it's funny. I pulled up Reddit like a little bit ago and um, even saw, you know, Tashi tweeting about some of the stuff, like some of those tweets had popped up. So you saying that's funny that I literally just saw that. But um, <laughs> yeah, that's kind of like in, in you kind of hit on it like, it's it's one of those things that like with Halo esports and I've always liked the HCS model to a degree, but it is almost it feels like the like the model almost right now with like you're saying because of the way they have set up with teams and everything like that, um, you know it it feels almost like how the NBA really handles its players comparatively where it does focus more on individuals comparative mm-hmm. to teams and and the NBA does a really good job at making its superstars superstars like they're good at showing showcasing and highlighting individual skill just not necessarily team skill and you know team performance comparative to individual skills and that's you know to each their own type of thing that's not a bad thing or you know necessarily a, a huge good thing either but I feel like HCS is so similar to that, or they take, I think they highlight the same approach because that's really the best that they can do right now with it is focus on, you know, a lot of the high end players who are involved. And now granted uh, you're much more, I'm sure in depth with that than I am, but like just from the outside looking in and you know, it's, but it is nice to also at the same time, see a lot of orgs kind of associating with halo again. Like you're starting to see more and more as infinite starts to ramp up. Even if it is, hey, we're just going to get our name in there for now and say, yes, we're going to compete in this or we're going to commit to this or, you know, for the beginning. Um, it is it is reassuring when you see a lot of big organizations start putting their names down next to this game. You know, while granted, I'm sure a lot of these organizations 
are able to probably have some kind of connection with 343 or have, you know, they're not going in completely blind. I'm sure they're not where somebody has seen gameplay, you know, actual physical gameplay, not sizzle real gameplay or anything right. like that. Um, you know, so because at that point they're talking, you know, whether it's paying players or whatever, there's tons of money that's going to be involved. Even if it is at mm -hmm. a smaller scale level, we're still talking a lot of money that these yeah. organizations are committing to that. So they're definitely have seen this game. They feel pretty confident that, hey, at least off the bat, we want to you know commit to it. But I, I think it's like a, a bigger thing that that you'll see with Halo Infinite is going to be really similar to what you see with CSGO, where players are going to get now they're not going to get CSGO salaries or, or even right, Valorant yeah. salaries, which are really high, comparatively speaking. But you're going to see players are going to get reasonable salaries because they're going to sign contracts that are going to be front-loaded. And what I mean by front-loaded, for those of you out there, um, you know, previously in, in Halo, unless you've been signed to an org or had a sponsor, you have, like, I've had sponsorship uh, contracts come across my desk, and it's like, hey, when you guys go to events, 20% of your total prize pool, 30% of your total prize pool winnings go to us. And, but we give you X, Y, Z, flights, hotel, whatever the agreement is. Mm -hmm. You're going to see a lot more front-loaded schol uh, scholarships. You're going to see a lot more front-loaded contracts with these players, which means they're going to get a bigger salary up front, mm -hmm. whether it be $1,500, $2,000, $2,500 a month, which is getting to be CS money. I would I would suggest some – I would guess somewhere in the neighborhood of 1000 mm -hmm. but they'll probably get a lot more of their stream uh, revenue and stuff of that – things like that nature. But when you have a top team – these orgs are going to get a lot more of the prize money and they're going to get money straight up from HCF, HCS right off the bat because you want teams like Cloud9, you want teams like Liquid, you even want teams like, uh, you know, newer orgs like Sentinels, Genji, like these organizations that are bigger in Valorant and, and League of Legends, you want those organizations involved because whenever you have Cloud9 or Liquid, people are just Liquid or Cloud9 fans and they're going to watch whatever esport they're involved in. Mm -hmm. So that's that's going to be a big deal, but that's what we're going to see from that. And I'm really excited because like you said, it's it's usually promising if these teams are willing to kind of agree to getting getting involved with the game before it's even released. It, it must mean something good is coming down the pipe. Mm -hmm. No, definitely. And, and that's where I do feel pretty... Now, granted... You have brought up very valid concerns with this game from a multiplayer standpoint, and I would imagine that I would imagine that th and this is going to be an evolving game. Clearly, there's going to be, you know, I would imagine with Microsoft's commitment to first party titles, especially wanting to have that one tentpole franchise be their live service game, quote unquote, that people continuously go to invest their time in. You know, and I would hope they would want, at least from my understanding and how they're approaching this Halo, that would be it. Um, but I would want to see. How do I want to say this? I would want to see, like. With that, I would hope that, like, this game evolve. like we're not going to this game on day one after getting, you know, tons and tons of feedback from players and not just, you know, the pro team early on while this game is getting the touch, you know, final touches on it, going gold and whatnot. Um, after players get their hands on this, you know, 
from day one to six months in to see what yeah. this game looks like and if they're actually making those committed choices to not only obviously you want to appease to a broad audience and make this game as accessible as possible and you know cater to a lot of different play styles but at the same time to listen to the competitive community to don't just completely annex them and be able to make this game multifaceted that i think is what previous halo titles in terms of two and three specifically were able to do so well it was they were able to balance like especially three once you got into being able to do like where social and competitive were both at the same time like you know people did play between each of them but there were various crowds between each halo and then and they lived and breathed i think synonymously and you know they each had their own like you were able to actually have each community within that community if that makes any sense and to thrive and not be like annexed either one yeah one wasn't cut off from the other because mm-hmm. one needed to succeed more than the other type of thing and, and that's more what i want to see from the multiplayer and with this game yeah and with the forge the competitive community was was able to make or were able to make a lot of different tweaks and adjustments that they wanted to make that maybe the rest of the of the game didn't really want to see especially with halo 3 but you got a lot of the guys working at mlg were able to get into forge make tweaks to map you know make tweaks to maps uh put different weapons in different spots Mm -hmm. they were able to you know go ahead and uh update the speed that which the spartan moves and it didn't break the game too much and all those types of things and 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 up the damage a little bit to make the time to kill faster Mm -hmm. all those types of things were really great and i'm just hoping that they give the same kind of support that valorant gets because valorant came out with a new season very recently they had a really big groundbreaking bu- or game breaking bug and within 30 minutes of release of of the patch they had already fixed it so mm-hmm. that's just what we want to see from 343 going forward as as a community for sure yeah oh for sure definitely on my end though um i've actually played a lot of stuff and i don't want to like necessarily you know kind of sit on it too much um i talked about it last week that I'm starting my initiative that I, a personal initiative, if you want, even want to call that, um, heading into Starfield next year that I want to try to get either 1K or, and I, I know I say this all the time, but this being an Xbox show, like to keep it Xbox, but there's only one game that I would think I'd probably get the platinum in of Bethesda Game Studios games, but I'd like to get all the achievements in Bethesda developed you know, Bethesda proper developed uh, games heading into Starfield because I noticed that in my new account on Xbox, I didn't have like any of the achievements in Oblivion. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to go back and do that and go through and try to get all the achievements. And then I was like, well, why don't I just do that? Like chip away with that. We got pretty much when I started a year and a half. So it's like till uh, Starfield launches, I was like, that's, that's a good thing to be like, you know what? If I'm looking for something to play and I don't know what to, I'll chip away at that. Um, so I started doing that with Oblivion. I've been kind of doing that for the last, you know, week and a half or so. And I'm probably about three-fourths of the way through all the guild quests and the arena and stuff like that. Like, I did, I already got through, right off the bat, did arena. I'm saving the main quest line just towards the end because that's kind of, in my opinion, the easiest to breathe uh, breeze through, but, um, you know, did the arena already, did the Thieves Guild, um, what else, did the Fighters Guild, almost done with the Mages Guild, just have 
Dark Brotherhood after that, and then um, the main quest line. So it'll be pretty simple. And then I'll probably do Shivering Isles as well, just to get that. But um, but then going to do Fallout 3, probably on Xbox. And then Skyrim and Fallout 4, I might do on PC, now that I know I can get achievements on PC for the Game Pass versions of those games on PC. Um, I might do that, but... I'm already like three-fourths of the way through the Platinum Trophy for Fallout 4 on, P- on PlayStation, obviously, from previously playing that, that I may just do that to save myself time. <laughs> right. And, and I'll be honest, Fallout 4 is probably the game that I'm least excited to go back and replay um, out of all of them. It's still a good game, but I don't necessarily want to go through and do all of the fucking building that's involved with that. Um, so, but besides that, I'm trying to think what else... Uh, my fiance and I have been kind of dipping in and out of games. We started playing Mortal Kombat 11. I finally picked up Mortal Kombat 11 after fucking two years now. Um, and goddamn, that game's so much fun. I fucking blow at Mortal Kombat, but goddamn, that game's so much fun. Um, they do a great job with the story mode, man. Yeah, and that's what we're doing. We're just kind of passing the controller back and forth, taking turns going through. And it's, it's just so wacky and fun. And Molly's like... I'll be honest, I don't know what's going on completely. I'm like, literally, all you have to know is one side is, like, one side's past tense, the other side is future, like, I was like, you don't need, the story doesn't matter. I said, realistically, (laughs) the story does not matter. Like, it is a complete clusterfuck of a timeline. It's good. If you know what's going on, it's good. But, like, you don't need to. It's just, it's just ridiculous, fun shit like it's okay <laughs> you're meant to be like what the fuck <laughs> um so we're having a blast with that uh and then we're also kind of dipping in and out of a couple different other games when we kind of get the feeling to do so uh rise of the tomb raider was another one that we were going through because we finished the first tomb raider game and then uh i know this one will uh kind of make you wince a little mike but we did start uh la la noir um Great. Not- so good up to a certain uh, point. And that's yeah. what I, I, I told her. I'm like, listen, I want to see it through because I just want to know what happens at the end and everything like that. But I'll be honest, we're going to get to a point and you're going to get pissed off at one thing in this game. And I'll be honest, I don't know anything after that point in that game. So because I was like, when Mike, Adam and I played this game, we got real pissed off at that. And we're just like... <laughs> Yeah, we're good. <laughs> it's another one of those games that are like three quarters of just such a good oh, game, yeah. man. Oh, 100%. Absolutely. So playing a bunch of stuff um, and just kind of whenever we get the chance, dipping in and out of a couple different things. But my main thing that I'm playing independently right now is trying to go through, wrap up Oblivion and get all the uh, achievements in that just because I haven't done that on a new account. So um, that's kind of my thing right now. But before we drag on any longer, Mike, let's head into Button Mash for the week because we got a lot of stuff to talk about this week so if you're new to the show button match where we go through our quick hit news articles before we get into the big topics of the show which this week which we have a couple to go through so let's not waste any more time let's kick off button match starting with speculation recently spread saying that the concept and plot for a silent hill game made by bloober team had potentially made its way onto the internet via an eu finding website or funding website, I'm sorry. However, Bloober Team tells IGN that the project fans have pointed to is in fact been shelved in favor of other new games. Fans have been looking for clues to a new Silent Hill game since uh, the franchise owner uh, Konami announced a partnership with the Polish developer Bloober Team, which is known for the medium and Blair Witch, obviously. Um, some thought that they'd found, or uh, they had found, 
Some thought they'd found them after discovering filings for Bloober on the EU creative website, EU's Creative Europe website, which shows descriptions of, among other things, video game projects that have applied for EU funding. Three Bloober team projects were discovered under codenames, H2O, which uh, eventually became Layers of Fear 2, Black, a first-person project set in the medieval Euro uh, Europe besessed by alien attacks, and Dumb, uh, Dumb Spiro, a horror game set in a World War II Jewish-Polish ghetto. Speculation immediately began to form around the idea that Black or Dumo Spiro could be the rumored Silent Hill game, but unfortunately, those were older titles, or those were either titles that were shelved or reworked into something else. So, but they are still, uh, they still do have a partnership with Konami, so it's possible. And I would think we're talking horror and they're lending out IP. It's, come on. <laughs> it's the writings on the wall. So anyways, though, moving on. NetherRealm, speaking of Mortal Kombat and everything, took to Twitter recently to announce that it has started work on its next project. As a result, there will be no further DLC for Mortal Kombat 11. In a tweet, the Chicago-based studio has announced that it is now, quote, focusing on its next project. What is this next project? NetherRealm hasn't announced it yet, but the studio is primarily known for either Mortal Kombat or the Injustice series, a fighting game based on a darker version of the DC Comics universe. Unfortunately, that means the DLC for support for Mortal Kombat 11, NetherRealm's 2019 fighting game, and the most recently mainline Mortal Kombat game has ended, so pour one out. Thanks to Microsoft's FPS boost, Dark Souls 3 on Xbox Series X and S will now run at 60 frames per second. Revealed on Twitter by Xbox, this free up update is now available to all Xbox Series X and S owners. To get the most out of the S FPS boost, Microsoft recommends rebooting your console after the update is complete. As noted by Eurogamer, this upgrade brings Dark Souls 3 closer to the performance level seen on PS5. Via backwards compatibility, Dark Souls 3 locks the game at 1080p 60 frames per second on Sony's latest console. While the Series X and S version will uh, still only supports resolution up to 900p, the 60fps jump will provide a much smoother experience than it had before. Dice LA is changing its name to Ripple Effect Studio, EA announced earlier today, completing a rebranding that has been in the making for more than a year. It will be a new start for the former studio, uh, support studio as it sets out to develop a quote yet to be announced project that will follow Battlefield 2042. It will remain under, uh, under the oversight of Respawn Entertainment founder and group GM Vince Sampella with Christian Grass uh, continuing in his role as studio general manager. Ripple Effect's new name, which has uh, which was chosen following a team vote, is the latest in a long legacy of rebrands dating back to the 1990s with when EA first acquired DreamWorks Interactive. Dice LA was founded in the wake of a closure of Danger Close Games, which in turn was rebranded uh, a rebranded version of EA Los Angeles. Since opening its doors in 2013, Dice LA has mainly provided support for various iterations of Battlefield. At the moment, Ripple Effect is taking the lead on one of Battlefield 2042's new modes, which is set to be revealed at EA Play later this month. But behind the scenes, the studio is staffing up aggressively as it prepares to lead, develop, uh, lead development on its own games. A Destiny 2 event appears to be coming in August, as the official Destiny 2 Twitter account has posted a cryptic tweet announcing that some sort of announcement event is incoming. The event is called Destiny 2 Showcase, but beyond that and a date of August 24th, nothing further has been revealed for the event so far, such as timing or what the format of the event will take place in. 
And while we don't know what will be shown at the event, it's likely to be revealed for uh, it's likely to be a reveal of the next expansion following the Beyond Light expansion that launched last year. The tweet is accompanied by an image in the words, quote, survive the truth. Some fans are already speculating that the announcement will be uh, related to the rumored Witch Queen expansion. Destiny 2 players, streamers, and fans seem to be very excited by the news, with a number of fans posting positive responses to the tweet, as well as some good old-fashioned googly eyes. Hot Wheels Unleashed, the upcoming arcade racing game due out on September 30th for PlayStation 4, Xbox One, PC, Nintendo Switch, PS5, and Series X and S, that aims to channel the playful spirit of the diecast tiny toy cars you played with a kit is adding a custom track builder to its list of features. The team promised over 20 mod modules to mix and match from including Hungry Cobra, T-Rex Escape, and Spider Ambush. And of course, you'll be able to share them online and try out tracks made by other Unleashed community members. Id Software has announced that it will not move forward with a multiplayer with the multiplayer invasion mode for Doom Eternal. Instead, the developer has announced that it is working on a new single-player horde mode for the critically acclaimed first-person shooter. In a statement shared on the official id Software Twitter account, executive producer uh, Mary Stratton or Marty Stratton, I'm sorry, uh, cited several contributing uh, factors for the team canceling Invasion Mode, including how development on the mode was slowed due to the team working remotely due to the COVID-19 pandemic. Stratton also noted that additional factors showed how previously released updates for Doom Eternal had been met with positive reception from players. You may remember that Capcom has been accused of copying monster designs for one of the game's uh, Resident Evil uh, Villages boss fights, and a modder has taken it into their own hands to correct the alleged copyright infringement in an extremely silly way. This is obviously light spoilers for Resident Evil Village, but it's been a couple months now and this isn't really a huge spoiler. <laughs> um, the monster design in question was that of Sturm, or Sturm, yeah, a Heisenberg test subject who had most of their torso replaced with an aircraft engine, complete with propeller. It bore striking resemblance to a monster from the 2013 horror movie Frankenstein's Army, which crea uh, with creator Richard Rackhorst posting out the resemblance on LinkedIn. Created by Pumpkin Hook and posted on Nexus Mods, copyright free uh, Sturm aims to fix the issue by replacing Sturm with a generic standing fan. <laughs> As the mod uh, description reads, it's a copyright free version of Sturm. No copyright infringement here. <laughs> That's actually a really good way around it. Um, and finally, Mike, Codemaster CEO Frank Zang er, Zag Zagnier. Sorry, gosh, tongue tied there. And CFO Rashad uh, Varicha are departing from the company just four months after EA's acquisition. Don't be alarmed, though, as EA told GamesIndustry.biz, which first reported the news that their departures have, quote, always been part of the plan. However, their departures from Codemasters was sped up after the EA acquired the company and integrated it into its pools of studios. Quote, we're incredibly thankful to Frank and Rashid for everything they have done for Codemasters and Electronic Arts, and we wish them the very best EA send the statement. We know the culture that they have created and their innovative spirit will be very much or will very much live on at the studio through their outstanding leadership team. Both Sangira and Ver Varishia will step down from Codemasters at the end of the month. GamesIndustry.biz reports that Codemasters will join the EA Sports umbrella currently led by Cam Weber. So, Mike, after all of that, everything running through Button Mash, anything you want to run back before we head into our big topics for this week? Um, yeah, uh, the only thing that really 
comes to mind is that MK11 is finally kind of seeing its swan song. Uh, I know that NetherRealm has done a very good job at supporting that game since its release, mm-hmm. even though it's not a game that I've spent a ton of time playing. I've spent, you know, a fair amount of, pl- of time playing it, but I haven't really revisited it since probably 2020. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, I thought Mortal Kombat 11 was was a great game, um, especially with the story mode. Um, so hearing that it's going to be ending its life, uh, that's kind of uh, bittersweet because that means that they're going to get working on a new game, which I think, as a Mortal Kombat fan, I can say probably with without a sh- shed of doubt that a lot of people are probably getting ready for a new Mortal Kombat experience. Um, and outside of that, I want to give kudos to Microsoft F- the Microsoft FPS boost for getting Dark Souls 3 to run at 60 FPS because we see Microsoft still to this day, putting their money where their mouth is and updating older games and keeping games supported and working. And mm. I think that's a really big deal. And it's basically them walking the walk and talking the talk. And again, that's that's a theme that I keep bringing up with Microsoft throughout this podcast. But I don't think you can go without you know giving kudos to Microsoft every time they do something like this. It might seem like a really small or a really simple thing. But to me, it's a big deal because they're still doing the same things they said they were going to do. Yeah. Oh, definitely. And I mean, looking at the list on here of, um, looking at the list here on major Nelson's, uh, blog over uh, on Xbox's website about FPS boost. If you look on here, there are, um, let me see almost a hundred titles that support FPS boost right now on series X and S. For the most part, either one or both. And I mean, some of the titles on here, like you said, are either obviously newer titles or older titles. I mean, looking back here, the definitive edition of Dishonored got an FPS boost to 60 frames per second. Um, And that's been out since like fucking 2013, 14, something like that. Uh, Gears 4 got an FPS boost. Uh, what else on here looking at Mad Max got an FPS boost. I mean, come on, tons of the Lego games, like stuff that you wouldn't think about necessarily. Yeah, there's games on here that you would expect, like Fallout 4, Fallout 76, um, you know, Far Cry 5, things like that, that like will take advantage of that. Uh, Skyrim Special Edition has gotten one on here as well. Um, and I'm, it's mostly focused on doing 4K 60 or at least as close to possible of, you know, a combination of that, but you know, it's it's crazy to see this commitment being so or being so, I guess, forward thinking with their retroactive commitment to mm-hmm. these games. And I mean, it, we say it all the time. For, you know, we say it all the time, focusing on, you know, seeing Microsoft's focus and commitment to backwards compatibility and, you know, longevity of content and supporting making sure your content, your legacy content is able to, you know, be able to be brought forward, you know, as long as possible. And their commitment to making a platform compared to one console generation or, you know, it's it's Xbox across the board, no matter, you know, it's the Xbox platform, not necessarily the Xbox Series X or the Series S or what. It's not just one console. It's a complete platform that's, you know, an ecosystem that's completely you know, spread across and to see them, you know, be able to really take this PC approach of, yeah, an older game will run better on a lot better hardware for the most part in terms of, you know, 
performance from a visual standpoint and things like that. You know, it will run better because it's taking advantage of the new hardware and we're letting we're working with these developers to make sure that we're able to provide you with that content compared to maybe some other avenues in the console realm. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I totally agree. It's 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 just so reassuring to know that the fact that we're going to get more games that we don't expect that have been out for a while. I mean, with who would have expected Dark Souls 3 right out of nowhere? I mean, and really, that's mm-hmm. the only Dark Souls title to get that. Now, granted, Dark Souls Remastered out of the box already runs on console at 60 frames per second. So, like, that's a little different. But at the same time, like, you know, it, it people have been begging over getting a Bloodborne 60 frames per second, either PS4 Pro patch or now PS5 patch for fucking years now. And it's like, mm-hmm. you know, Microsoft was able to get it done with Dark Souls 3 right away. And not that I'm saying that that's, you know, with Souls games, their frame rate is tied to movement. So if you speed up, or if you unlock the frame rate past 60 frames, it gets or past its original like intended frame rate, it speeds everything up. So there's a little bit of you got it's going to get a little wonky. But in general, though, the fact that you're looking at all of these titles on here that are a lot of legacy content, that says a lot to me. So anyways, though, Mike, let's head into our big topics and news for this week. And we got a couple of them that I, I think stuck out this week that I felt like were good to kind of pick at uh because the past few weeks have been kind of i don't want to say light but have been more so one-sided one topic there were a couple that i kind of want to go over so let's kick it off talking about a little franchise that may be making its return that i think people have been wanting to see for a while but a little hesitant and of course we're talking about dead space and this comes from Wesley LeBlanc, LeBlanc over on IGN. EA series revival from Motive, reportedly a Dead Space remake. As always, link in the description. Go over there and give Wesley. We pulled from his articles a lot, so go over there and give him a click. It's been rumored that EA will soon reveal a fan-favorite series revival at this month's EA Play live event, and that revival is reportedly a remake of Dead Space. GamesBeat reports that not only will this revival be a Dead Space remake, but it will be a remake in the vein of Capcom's recent Resident Evil remakes. GamesBeat's Jeff Grubb first teased uh, back in March that EA Motive was working on a, quote, established IP, which has been uh, since been corroborated. I I don't think I could say that word. I know what it is. Corroborated? 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 It's one of those words that, like, like, I always want to say, like, oh, they, like, collaborated with something. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. It... I, trust me, I know I'm an idiot, so it's like I understand like people will like dick on me for like not being able to say that word and being like, oh, it's cooperated. Like, but I'm just it's one of those words that will always fucking throw a rent every time. Every time I even try to say the word without even seeing it, I'm like, no, it's not gonna happen. Anyways, though, uh, following that in a later stream, Grub said that this EA Motive developed game would be revealed at the July 22nd EA Play live showcase. This special or the speculation of what this game could be ramped up soon after and most launched on or most landed on Dead Space. This was in part due to Grub saying, quote, we're going to see it if we're not dead first. 
Now, today, Grub has reported that EA Moves game is, in fact, Dead Space, and it is specifically a Dead Space remake. The report says that EA Motive is taking notes from Capcom's recent Resident Evil remakes, and that, like their widely acclaimed Resident Evil 2 remake from 2019, fans can expect that the next Dead Space, seemingly the remake, to use the original Dead Space as a, quote, strong foundation. The game should have modern visuals and is expected to feature new gameplay mechanics pulled from it pulled in from subsequent entries beyond the first in the Dead Space franchise. If EA Motive actually is working on a Dead Space remake, all signs point to a reveal during the July 22nd EA Play digital showcase. The studio's latest release was Star Wars Squadrons, which also happened to be its first major game developed in-house. Following that release, the studio confirmed that its next project will be something, quote, pretty special, and not related to Star Wars. However, EA Motive has several projects in the works, so the some, quote, something special description could be about something other than the rumored Dead Space remake, although a Dead Space remake could be pretty special, right? So, now at this point, I'd expect everyone to know me and know how I feel about some of these third-party franchises, Splinter Cell, Metal Gear, all these franchises that people are pretty hungry for. But the large-scale publishers that kind of oversee them want to focus on franchises that can be, you know, continuously making a revenue stream like, you know, some live service titles and things like that. I get it. I get it. You know, one of those in addition to Splinter Cell and the like is Dead Space. I fucking love Dead Space. I just replayed the first one. I shouldn't say just. It was like two summers ago. Yeah, two years ago. And... Even thinking, I'm like, this This could perfectly fit into modern, like, if there's some tweaks and some, you know, you put some, you spit shine this thing and you polish it up, this could be a, fran- this could be not only a franchise, obviously, but this style of survival horror that, granted, is much more, it's more level-based than... I want to say like a, you know, an RE2 or anything like that, which I could see changing and becoming almost more Metroidvania in a way, like kind of some Resident Evil games approaches are um, with now with, I should say, the third person remakes are becoming a little bit um, compared to just being survival horror. So I could see an approach going like that, but it, it still holds up so fucking well. I mean, these games do really hold up and I never finished three that and I know a lot of people really did not like three because it was more action oriented. I totally agree with that. But it to me, though, this like. There's so many people extremely excited about the thought of more dead space, even, mm-hmm. you know, and this is even after seeing the spiritual successor from striking distance studios and the original uh, creator of dead space, uh, the new project they're working on that we saw at the game awards this year, uh, the Callisto protocol that everyone was like, that's just fucking dead space. All right, cool. (laughs) They're going to make dead space now that nobody else was going to make dead space. Um, you know, so that's, and this is even, you know, people even saying that like after that being like, yeah, we'll totally take that. And that's probably maybe more in line with dead space, but how about you just fucking make EA just make Dead Space? Like you yeah. have the fucking capital to do so. So now with these new rumors, it does have me pretty hyped, especially coming from EA Motive. And granted, I didn't. I, I'm much on the record with saying you know, I Star Wars Squadrons didn't click with me, but I'm very much on the record with also saying that's not because it is bad. It's not because it, it to me was a fucking 
excellent product at $40 to put out and the care and attention that went into that game is bar none. So EA Motive, to me, like that has me hyped knowing that they're coming from there. But Mike, should we expect the same type of survival horror experience we've known to love from the original series outside of three? But should we expect an actual dead space experience from EA you know could this end up being a case of EA just using X XIP whatever blanket IP to mask Mm -hmm. a live service model driven solely by revenue is this something that's tactics that aren't necessarily foreign to large-scale AAA publishers like EA I mean should fans be hesitant I guess is what I'm saying yeah um this is a studio that prides itself on reskinning and re-releasing the same sports games every year. <laughs> but um but no, <laughs> seriously, uh with EA, I mean, it could go either way really. Like I feel like EA is is a is a developer and a company that really doesn't do much as as far as innovations concerned with their sports games in particular. And I know that a lot of the people that I've seen talk about it on Twitter are a little bit hesitant to be excited. Obviously, because anytime EA is tied to anything, it's kind of like a a weird phenomenon. Because I remember EA Sports being the tits when we were younger in the early 2000s. And now they've kind of, you know, the old Batman saying, you either die the hero or live long enough to see yourself become the villain. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, you know, at this point, they're full on villain mode. And people are probably right to be a little concerned as to what to expect from the new Dead Space. I know, personally speaking... Dead Space is in a bit of my blind spot. Uh, it's not a series that I've really spent a whole lot of time on, mm-hmm. uh, unfortunately, because I've heard a lot of good things about it from you and other people alike. Uh, it's pretty much, you know, it's pretty beloved online. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think people are, are right to be a little cautious and a little bit uh, concerned about, you know, what's going to be coming out. For me, uh, I see this as an opportunity for EA to kind of do something correctly for, you know, what's going to feel like the first time in forever. Um, I'm concerned because the company itself has done a lot to lose my trust. And unfortunately for EA, they've done a lot less to gain my trust in years past. You know, like Bethesda, you know, even though they've let out a couple of stinkers here, you know, I'm still willing to trust them. And and I'm still willing to think that Bethesda has good days ahead of them. Mm -hmm. With EA, uh, it's, it's a huge concern of mine. And it feels like depending on what studio works on it, you know, because there's EA uh, Montreal, there's there's different EA companies in different places. All those things can kind of come to a head here. Um, as for Dead Space, EA loves microtransactions. So it almost makes sense for it to become a live service because that's kind of EA's model and, and their success model, if you will. Mm-hmm. So it is concerning to me that EA has a really bad track record with that. But... I'm cautiously optimistic for all my Dead Space fans out there. I will say um, I can understand if you're 100% against it, uh, just just solely based on the track record of the company and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I urge everyone to kind of go into this with an open mind because I know I give 343 a lot of shit. I give EA a lot of shit. I give some other developers a lot of shit too. But at the end of the day, when it comes to 343 and Halo Infinite, while I'm you know, vocal in my concerns about the game and what I've seen, 
I'm still going to give it a chance. Not even because it's just because it's free, because even if it wasn't free, I would spend $60 on release day to play the game. Uh, I'm going to give it its fair, its fair sh- shot. I think that if you're a Dead Space fan, I wouldn't go out of your way to buy it release day, knowing EA. Mm-hmm. Um, I would probably wait <laughs> to see exactly what shakes out with it. But I think you should be a little bit excited because... You never know what EA is going to do. They could, uh, you know, you know, poop out a, a gold a gold nugget here instead of a turd. You never know. Mm-hmm. No, yeah, and it's it, it is one of those things that like part of me is hesitant. Part of me is mm-hmm. like I've seen what EA's done, but at the same time, too, like like you said, I've I've been there where they're putting out. You know, I'm I'm a fan of the NHL franchise. I am. Usually up until, granted, a handful of years ago, I was buying them religiously every year just because that was the one sports game that I knew I would always get my time out of and felt good spending my money on from a sports game standpoint. Um, but even then, I've stopped doing that. And now they're on Game Pass and whatnot, so I don't have to really worry about that. But point being, though, I've seen what EA in the approach EA takes with their franchises that really how do i want to put this i don't want to say put i don't want to say put ea on the map or anything like that but like you look at the success that ea has had really from a third party standpoint the past you know yeah 15 years you know Mm. and you look at the games that they put out that people like i want to say like really religiously like dig and even looking at like so we look at ea play right now and what's on there with you know game pass mass effect dead space battlefront and even even at you know battlefront 2 is in a really good place now and i'll get to that in a second but need for speed mirror's edge you know medal of honor when that was a thing still dragon age i what else crisis battlefield like skate oh my god skate like and Mm -hmm. thank god we're getting another one of those but like you look at all these franchises that really i think i want to say found their footing or you know in cases like with you know bioware's two franchises i mentioned like got their start and found true success on the 360 generation they mostly focused on the single player output like and it was they found huge critical and commercial success with that with putting out these titles and then eventually it became oh well everything has to have multiplayer in it well now everything has to have live service with it and that to me is where we're seeing ea put out really normally i'd say more titles but we're mostly seeing most of their output that they're having on a yearly basis is their you know annualized sports franchises but Outside of that, it's like they're putting out maybe one or two titles every couple years, and they're all focused on live services for the most part. They're living and breathing platforms. And to me, like, I don't mind the idea of like, okay, we want to put this game out and we want to we want to build a roadmap for this game to support it for a long time. And it's both with single player content and multiplayer content. That's in in theory fucking awesome. That is really great. I think that could hamper a franchise's ability to be... Like, I think there is a point where 
there's burnout, obviously, with a franchise. And two, on top of that, it hinders the ability to kind of step back and say, okay, we're messing up with this. Or, okay, we can adjust. Like, this is the feedback we got with the first one. Let's fix this towards the second one. Or, hey, you know what? We're going in this direction with this franchise, and a lot of people want more single-player content compared to multiplayer. Like, they, we want to get back to the roots of this franchise. And I think... Having live service titles sometimes, especially from these large AAA publishers like an EA, like an Activision, you know, you name it, can sometimes hinder that creative aspect and that ability to, and it it just, it breeds sometimes complacency that I see with some of these, you know, live service titles that come out. And I think now that we see a lot of franchise or a lot of, you know, live service releases that do come out and kind of falter, you know, at least there we're in a point now where a lot of fans are accepting of, you know what, it'll suffer. It may be content light at the beginning. It may have X, Y, and Z's done, but what's nice about live service games is they can rebound. They can get better. You know, people or the developers can work on getting this in a better state, but at the same time too, I tend to see more franchises that are beloved and we're talking Ubisoft, especially and we're going to be talking about that in a couple of minutes, but you know, Ubisoft, EA, Activision take these franchises and just sometimes just say, oh, okay, people love this name on this game and, you know, are affectionate towards this IP or this character or something. Let's just fucking, you know, let's give them what they want. Let's give them a continuous flow of this game and, but not in the way that they want it. And yeah. I, I just don't think people like I I I think this is going to be I I feel very confident that this game is going to be pretty fucking good. Like I I mm -hmm. do I truly believe that, and I believe that EA honestly like with how they've handled the back nine, and I'm we're talking the last couple holes on the back nine to be honest. Um, they're with their Star Wars contract that they've had. Um with how they've really turned the Battlefront franchise around, how they put out a ridiculous, or I should say, they published a ridiculously well-developed single-player Star Wars game that was my game of the year in 2019 in Jedi Fallen Order from Respawn. Not to mention, too, putting out Mass Effect Legendary Edition, which was pretty much everything people wanted with Mass Effect right now, saying, hey, we're committing to a new skate, saying, hey, we're committing to a single player Dragon Age game, you know, things like that, that I think a lot of people do want, they're listening to and saying, yeah, you know what, we'll go down this road, you know, hey, you want more, you know, if we can find a way to get you more Titanfall content, might be an Apex, but we'll get you more Titanfall content. Stuff like that. Like, they're at least open to... I think they're getting in a little bit better trajectory to try to balance, you know, find a balance between live service and multiplayer, but at the same time, too, they're more worried about the dollar at the end of the day and what they're making on these games. Um, and that's the name of the game with large-scale, you know, AAA publishing. But mm -hmm. I do feel very good about... Coming from the studio, coming from Motive, knowing what they've done before, knowing how well they've done things before, and also knowing that, hey, we're looking at this game because we see the success that Resident Evil 2 Remake has had. Even mm -hmm. though Resident Evil 3 Remake wasn't, 
you know, I don't think people didn't dislike the game itself. They disliked the amount of content that came with the game, but more so that how well these games were made and how well people, how receptive people were to these games and how much, you know, excitement was around these games and how good the sales were too, not to mention, we want that. Oh, let's take it with Dead Space. Let's give it to Motive. They're good with, you know, they feel, they must feel pretty confident about working with them. So to me, that all lines up having that clear, direct vision of, we want to have something like that. That's the direction I want this to go with. Now, yeah. if I heard hints of, well, it's going to be this and you could interact with other people. No, I don't fucking want that. I'm sorry. I don't want, I don't want to talk to anybody else. I don't want to do, I, to be honest, I don't want to do fucking co-op in this game. I don't want to do any of that shit. I want this to be a single player survival horror sci-fi experience. That is the whole reason why I love this franchise. Me personally. Yeah. <laughs> and and the only thing I'll say, I know, you know, there's there's a different studio working on it, um, even though it's still going to be published under EA. Mm-hmm. The, I'll say the one thing that I think there might be a lot of people and there might be some listeners out there saying is like EA released Anthem. Mm-hmm. So uh, is as positive as you can be. I'm just willing to go out there and hear there's someone out there listening to the podcast that's going to be screaming at the uh, speakers to say, guys, they released Anthem. How can you trust them? And you know what? Fair. But like you said, you brought up a lot of good valid points. You brought up a lot of reason to be optimistic about this game. You know, we haven't heard anything about it Uh, in kind of a weird way. Like Halo, you got to give it a little bit of a shot here. Uh, You got to give it a chance until... Until you see it, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. No, definitely. At this point, at this point, it's just a flaming bag on my porch. There's no poop in it that I know yet. <laughs> but let me step on it, and I'll let you guys know. He called the shit poop. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yes, I, I, I totally get what you're saying. So I'm, I'm... Part of me is like... <laughs> I'm just glad that they're doing something with this IP. Because I'll be honest, once Visceral went kind of... Once they were they closed up shop or I should say EA made them close up shop in 2017. Like I figured we would not see, I figured that the idea behind what dead space was and what that kind of game was in gaming right now. I don't want to say because we've seen such a resurgence of single player gaming since everything needed to be multiplayer gaming right at the beginning of this gener or well, beginning of last generation now, where we ended up with the rebirth of in the resurgence of saying or recommitment, I should say not the resurgence because it was always there, but the recommitment and success of single player gaming that at first I didn't think we'd see this franchise return. And Mm -hmm. I, I totally right now I give it to you if granted until it's official, it ain't official, but I feel very confident that this is going to be official. Um, in the sources that align with this, I I think this is the perfect time to bring that back and the perfect time to say, Hey, this is, we're going in this direction with this franchise and at least put this out there to, if this is a reboot or remake, it sounds like it's definitely more remake, but I think it'll be more 60% remake and 40% reboot. Like I, it, it, it'll be a fresh start and but at the same time it'll be very I, I'm sure stuck you know sticking to its roots but I think this will really give us a good idea of what EA is planning to do with single player games moving forward 
in these franchises that and these IPs that they've had for so long. Like, I think this will give us a good idea of what to expect possibly with or the leash I think that they're gonna give Bioware with like a Dragon Age. Not that I'm saying mm-hmm. those two games are remotely connected, but like or even even a hell, even Mass Effect too. Like just to know what a single player game could look like right now for EA or what they're open to doing. Was Jedi Fallen Order a fluke or was that, you know, they're more committed and more open to saying, hey, let's let these projects happen. We can still make money off them. We see that now. So anyways, though, let's move on to our next topic and naturally talking yet again about another live service title. Mm. Oh, wait, no, this single player one. Just kidding. Another single-player game or franchise going live service, unfortunately. Assassin's Creed. Specifically now, Assassin's Creed Infinity. (laughs) Halo Infinite Infinity Assassin's Creed will turn the series into a live service game with multiple historic settings. This comes from Molly Taylor over on PC Gamer. As always, link in the description. As if Assassin's Creed games weren't already a bombless pit of stuff to do, Ubisoft now wants to literally make a never-ending entry in the series. The aptly codenamed Assassin's Creed Infinity is set to be a live-service game that will evolve and expand over time, according to a new report from Bloomberg. Instead of it being one isolated look into a historical period, Infinity is is instead looking to stitch together different settings with room to expand and develop each one post-launch. Bloomberg says that Ubisoft has also or has been inspired by the longevity of games like Fortnite and Grand Theft Auto V, which continue to make Epic Games and Rockstar a stupid amount of money. While Ubisoft Montreal and Ubisoft Quebec usually take it in turns to develop each iteration of Assassin's Creed, Infinity will be a joint effort between the two divisions with Quebec or Quebec's Marc Alexis Cote uh, taking charge overall. Each studio will still have its own creative director with Jonathan Dumont heading uh, heading up the role for Ubisoft Quebec and Clint Hawking uh, for Ubisoft Montreal. Bloomberg speculates that the two studios occasionally uh, two studios occasionally bitter rivalry may seem uh, see some future bumps in the road. Following the report, Ubisoft posted a separate blog post confirming that the game is in development along with providing a bit additional context. The studio echoed Bloomberg's report that the game is still in the very early stages of development and uh, delved into the decision to combine the efforts of Quebec and Montreal. Quote, rather than continuing to pass the baton from game to game, we profoundly believe this is an opportunity for one of Ubisoft's most beloved franchises to evolve into a more integrated and collaborative uh, manner that's less centered on studios and more focused on talent and leadership, no matter where they are within Ubisoft, end quote. So I, like many others, have been really happy with the direction that Assassin's Creed has been moving towards over, you know, the past four or five years with this focus on complex storytelling, RPG mechanics, this, you know, nice, dense world that is really detailed, the latter of which really may be my only complaint because there's honestly way too much fucking shit and too much of a time commitment to do in these games. Um, but the quality is there and it's really noticeable and really impressive. And nonetheless, I really still enjoy these games and I was really happy with Ubisoft's ability to cognitively notice, hey, while we are making a ton of money on these games, we can make a ton more money 
on these games if we actually iterate on them and take a step back and hey let's take some time and re you know we may not be getting you know we're still making money but we're not getting great critical scores and we want we think those two can still go hand in hand let's peel back let's evolve this franchise and going the rpg route really to me was such a blessing to see this that franchise that had such a unique and you know then historic moniker in modern gaming that was able to say you know hey let's peel it back let's we can we can we're starting to kind of get a little stale let's move forward and let's find a new you know way to make this game happen and now it seems like that's kind of how do i want to put this you know it begs the question if it ain't broke why fix it you know mm-hmm. I mean, like most things in society, the surface level answer obviously is easy. Money. They can make a lot of money off live service games. But why does Ubisoft feel the need, Mike, to make every one of their franchises a quote-unquote platform? Sure, it'll give fans, you know, new content and probably, you know, in a more streamlined manner. And that I understand and get, and that's totally cool in theory. But does potentially shoehorning this franchise to this model hurt its impact to both you know general consumers and longtime fans of the series what do you what do you make of all this mike yeah i know um assassin's creed's a game again another one that kind of misses like did i I missed a little bit i i think it was the first assassin's creed really turned me off from the entire franchise and i know Mm -hmm. you have been enjoying it as of late i remember back when I kind of refused to play them because I had such a bad time with the first one. Mm -hmm. I know Adam was a devout player of Assassin's Creed, which is, you know, which is cool. Um, It's a game that I know a lot of people have a lot of strong feelings about. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, you know, I don't feel, I feel like you're not the only person to share this type of, uh, this type of opinion on it. Um, You know, there's a general concern that, you know, something that comes to mind, I know it's it's not the same publisher or anything, so it's kind of like comparing Apple and Oranges, but I will say this kind of seems or feels to me, because I like the Hitman series so much, it feels like a Hitman thing where they're just like going to a live service and for what? Uh, I'm not really 100% sure what the reasoning is. I know it's money, and I know Ubisoft wants to go to a live service, especially since Rainbow Six Siege has done such a great job. And again, it's another one of those things where it kind of feels like it's a little bit of our fault because you always have the opportunity as a consumer to kind of vote with your dollar. And I know that phrase kind of gets overused and some people might be sick of hearing it, but ultimately it's the truth. Uh, If consumers continue to buy these games, if they continue to support these games in any way that they want to, including purchase it, purchase the, um, you know, if they're going to purchase the DLC, do all of that stuff. It's kind of on us because we could ultimately vote against supporting these types of games mm-hmm. and there'd be a lot less developers that wanted to go this direction. But as is, you know, it seems like it's kind of the direction that everyone's going because it's it's quite frankly, it's it's just printing money at this point yeah. in time. Too many people are spending too much money on DLC. Too many people are spending too much money on like the season pass to get free air quote things. And it just seems like a lot of these a lot of these game developers are seeing all these other developers and Ubisoft doing it themselves. It, you know, they're seeing these these companies really successful with these types of games. And that's why Ubisoft is going this direction. For me, um, I, I've seen and heard, 
a bit about Assassin's Creed Valhalla. It seemed like it was generally beloved. It seems like a lot of people really enjoyed their time with that game, which is really cool because I know, you know, it was the first time that a game has really dug deep into uh, Norse history like that, which is something that Assassin's Creed has always done a good job on is being historically accurate. Um, it was certainly interesting. It's just something that I didn't, get into personally and i don't see myself playing this game because i'm not i'm just not into the whole live service thing it's just not my cup of tea it never was mm-hmm. it never was you know I'm, I'm not one to buy season passes very often for any reason because unless it's a game that i generally love i'm not going to be spending a whole heck of a lot of time playing it if if that's if that's the way that you're trying to get me to play your game is by oh get these free skins like i just it's not going to be me dog. Like that's just not me. You know what I mean? Yeah. I'm, I'm usually in the same boat to me. I get why I get why I I understand the whole philosophy behind it right now. And especially Ubisoft, I understand why they're wanting to at least have some kind of live service aspect to all of their games because they realize the reach that their games have and they realize that they have multiple franchises too that are those games of, you know, they appeal to the audience who maybe only buys one or two games a year. Like, that's a large portion of our, you know, the consumer base of this, you know, industry that we love. And that's, you know, one, totally okay. And two, also, that is probably where they see, okay, well... We need to garner towards them. If they're only getting one or two games a year, or they could only play one or two games a year, we want these. We want to make sure, you know, I'm sure in their mindset, one, we're getting the most money out of them that we can, but giving them reasons to keep coming back to our game and keep, you know, that one game that they have, make sure that, you know, if they decide, oh, you know, I'm done with this game now and put it on the shelf. We want to try to limit that as much as possible. We want to make sure that we keep it off the shelf as much as possible in their home. We want to make sure it's in their disk drive or, you know, saved on or downloaded onto their hard drive at all points and give them more reasons to keep coming back. And, you know, I totally, totally understand why you want to do that and, you know, make things platforms. I mean, look at the success of Fortnite as a platform. I mean, I get it. I totally get it. But, there's a difference between I think gamers quote unquote, gamers understand <laughs> like there's certain franchises that don't necessarily need that. And there's certain aspects to games that, you know, there's games that I'll play that I don't want to play with anybody else. There's styles of games or that I don't necessarily need. Yeah. There's some games that I love to play that are, I, you know, only want to play them with friends. You know, I, you know, we're talking like, you know, I'm not going to play Valheim by myself. I'm not going to play. Why would you? Yeah. Right. There's there's certain games that it's like, you know, even like any more like Overwatch or like Rocket League or, you know, hell, even like, you know, now granted, I'll play MCC by myself. But like games like that are mostly multiplayer games. Yeah, I want to play with my buddies. I want to play with my friends and stuff like that. But like. I usually, if a game's good enough, I'm going to go back and replay it. Like, I think a lot of people do replay games from time to time. Like, there are the people who are like, yeah, I play a game, I finish it, I put it back on the shelf, or I go and trade it in a GameStop or whatever and move on to the next thing. But there are a lot of people who 
buy games digitally now, which you can't you can't sell or trade or anything after you buy it digitally, they do go back and play them. They go back and keep playing them. They go back and try to get the 1K achievements, platinum trophy, whatever you, you know, whatever platform you play on type of thing. That, you know, I think they want to play in that fashion. They want to have a single player experience. They want to have those experiences that reasons why they've been playing those style of games for a long time. Like that's why I say like, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. You need to fix it because there were aspects of that franchise broke about, you know, six years ago, now seven years ago, like, okay, you went back and you focused on fixing it and you fixed Mm -hmm. it. And now people really like it. People are digging what you're putting out. Like they went back to back to back on really good releases from Origins to Odyssey to Valhalla. Like, those are all great releases, and people fucking love those games. Like, I get what they're trying to do, and I get the spin they're trying to put on it, but everything doesn't need to be a live service. It doesn't. Right. It really doesn't. Like, it's okay to have a singular boxed experience and put it out to somebody and in the process make a shit ton of money off of it, and sure, make some DLC and stuff for it. That's fine, too. But, like, it's okay to just have a boxed experience and be given it. It's, it's okay. Nothing has to be, I don't have to have like, you know, I can go and get two dozen, you know, I can go and get a dozen of wings. I don't need the, I don't need the like fucking subscription box for wings every month or whatever. <laughs> like no, great. I say that and I, I am for years now, a proud owner, owner of the AMC Stubbs, a list membership where I can go get fucking multi multiple movies of, fucking week but point being like i go to the movies a lot so that's a little different but like point being that i don't uh, like you don't always need that like it's great to have it as an option but if you're not going to make a mainline assassin's creed game anymore that is hey here's a here's the next assassin's creed mainline boxed experience you're gonna piss a lot of people off you are and Sure, sometimes change is very good and welcomed, and we should be more accepting to that, yada, yada. But, like, not all the time. We really don't need it all the time. Come on. (laughs) Like, this, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Like, people like Assassin's Creed the way it is right now. Like, it is, you have, you have people very much into this game, you know, this franchise, and forward, people thinking, like, Yes, I'm hyped to see what the next Assassin's Creed is. Like, more people much more open to outside of the casual fan base that usually was playing them. Now you have people who are much, who haven't touched these games, people who are RPG diehards now interested in playing these games. Like, there's nothing wrong with, you know, just keeping it in a boxed experience. It's okay. Mm -hmm. But I get it from, I also do get it from a development standpoint that they're trying to, you know, probably after all the sexual allegations and harassment allegations and stuff like that, like they're probably trying to make it a much better experience for their development staff. And that I totally 1000% agree on. But from this franchise's standpoint, I don't know if we need this. I don't know if this is the direction we probably want to take, but it's, it's like, I would never ever accuse another studio of, of something of, of being like, electronic arts for Mm -hmm. any like there's just no way i would ever say anyone would behave that way Mm -hmm. but ubisoft is becoming one of those like they're another one of those uh you know batman references where it's like you know 
you either die to be, you know, you either die soon enough that you're the hero or you see yourself live long enough that you're the villain. And it's like, again, another studio that's just making these decisions that just don't, I mean, do they make sense dollar wise? Absolutely. Like this is going to make sense for them to, you know, maximize profits. But like, what are we doing here? Like, are we really looking to pinch every single dollar? Like is Ubisoft hurting that much that they really need to, capitalize on every single you know manpower hour put into a game or do they need to make every single cent possible you know or is it something that what's the real reasoning behind this i'm just really at a loss as to why any developer let alone ubisoft feels the need to take a game that's like you said had three like really dynamite releases in a row people have really been talking really like saying really good things about assassin's creed it's been one of their bread and butter franchises as they don't really have a ton of you know single player experiences if you will or rpg experiences like they have them but assassin's creed's always been that stable or that stable worth that's like the one thing that you know ubisoft has and for the past three years like you said has been you know really good um i just don't i don't get it i don't think anyone really gets it you know i'm sure you know the people behind closed doors they're talking about it it all really makes sense to them um but the only people that really the people that benefit from this are the developers and the people that are hurt are going to be hurting are the gamers now unless they do something really special with the service and most everything's free and and this and that, but that's just not going to be the case. We already know, we've seen this play out before. We know what comes. We know you have to buy into the DLC. We know you're going to have to buy like the season passes and, and things of that nature. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm just like, like, you know, I, I feel like you do. It's just, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. And it's, it's going to get to the point where it's, I just, I, I don't want I just don't want this live service model, this platform model to go into every avenue within gaming. It just doesn't, Mm -hmm. it doesn't need to. It's going to be, it's almost the trend of the battle Royale from a couple of years ago. And it's, it was almost the trend of the season pass from before that. And the multiplayer, every game needs to have multiplayer, you know, uncharted needed multiplayer, last of us needed multiplayer. You know, granted those multiplayers weren't bad, but is that the reason why you're playing this game? Right. No, not at all. Like, and that's that's the reason why many people aren't playing these games. And I get it. It's longevity. It's it, it comes to more people wanting, you know, or developers, and especially on the publishing end, wanting people to play these games longer, to have these games in their hand longer because they'll make more money. But what are you going to do? Hopefully... I just hope we get more mainline Assassin's Creed. And who knows? This may be good. This may be a fun thing to see, but fingers crossed. <laughs> How about a Splinter Cell or a traditional Rainbow Six experience? Right. Yes. Give me just a fucking boxed experience of those. I would love that. That would be great. <laughs> Anyways, Mike, let's move to our last news article. A little bit of a short one, but fun to just talk about. Gears of War Studio of the Coalition will show an Unreal 5 demo or Unreal Engine 5 demo, I should say, later this month. This comes from Tom Ivan over on VGC, as always, link in the description. 
Offering a look at the inner workings of UE5's new visual system, the Alpha Point demo will be presented by the Coalition's Technical Director Kate Rayner and Technical Art Director Colin Penty. The hour-long session will be held on Tuesday, July 20th at 1.20 p.m. Uh, Pacific Time. Uh, the Coalition created the Alpha Point demo on the Xbox Series X internally to evaluate UE5, which it is using for its upcoming projects. Quote, the talk will cover the learnings the team had while creating nanite resolution assets, incorporating them into a fully real-time lighting scenario with lumen and virtual shadow, uh, virtual shadow maps, according to the official session description. Quote, performance and memory observations will be covered for Xbox Series X and S, as well as virtual effects, blueprint, material setups, temporal super resolution, and virtual texture findings. The Coalition will also cover some pre uh, preliminary findings on next-gen character creation and metahuman integration, demoing a next-generation character test running on the Xbox Series X. The Coalition said in May that, this, that it was preparing to shift its focus to next-gen development using UE5. However, the studio said it wasn't planning to announce any new games in the near future. So, Obviously, the Coalition is going to keep supporting Gears 5 for the foreseeable future until, you know, the inevitable Gear 6 is released. In the meantime, with new seasons, updates, yada yada, new content coming. But it's pretty cool that we're at least going to see an example of what a tentpole first-party first party studio, I should say, is capable of doing with Unreal Engine 5 on the Xbox Series X hardware specifically, and the S2, but the Series X, the top, you know, top-line console in terms of hardware specs and whatnot. While obviously this isn't anything permanent and just supposed to be used as a sample, an example of what they're able to do, what makes you most excited about seeing a studio like the Coalition, this tentpole first-party studio we keep talking about from Microsoft, moving towards this groundbreaking tech and this being you know, incorporated in the basis of what their games are built on moving forward and what it could do for their franchise? What gets you excited about that? Yeah, I think it's going to be really exciting I think the biggest thing that that I'm taking away from this is the fact that it was built on Xbox Series, like, you know, it was built on Xbox, not so much in PC or built for Xbox, rather. Mm -hmm. I think that's going to be really exciting to see. I think having a tech, sho a tech showcase like this can be a really good thing because for Gears of War, you know, as as far as Gears of, Gears of War 5 is concerned, I did enjoy the multiplayer. I didn't play through the single player, which I know you did. I know there was a lot of different feelings about it. I know most of the story about it. I know there were some hard decisions that you could be made. Um, but it does feel like Gears is kind of in this weird spot, kind of like Halo was at Halo 4, where it's like in this weird law and what's going to be next. Mm. And I think this is a really good opportunity for the Coalition to kind of just take the bull by the horns and start building some momentum going into their next game. I know, you know, a lot for the entire Xbox one life cycle. Anyway, people were saying, you know, where's the games? Like I want to play good games and, and it just doesn't feel like Microsoft has any of those. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, this generation feels like Microsoft is doing a really good job building up for that. And this is a perfect opportunity for the coalition to really just blow the doors off of this and, and kind of show, showcase what they have coming up and showcase what they can do going forward. And I, I'm really, I'm really pumped to see what they come out with. Um, new tech in a new engine like this is always exciting because it means potentially groundbreaking and new, you know, physics in games and 
and new features that weren't previously possible because the technology advances. All of those things make me really excited as a gamer. And you should be too. If you're someone who doesn't even enjoy Gears of War, you should still be really excited and um, be looking forward to the showcase because ultimately it's not just going to be Gears of War that's using Unreal Engine 5, Mm -hmm. but this is just going to be a showcase of what can be done with it. And I think that's going to be something to build off of going forward is looking at this, looking at this engine and saying, you know, what's next? Because, you know, Bethesda has been using the same engine since Oblivion. We've talked about that. We've talked about how Halo has been using the same engine for a very long time. You know, Unreal Engine 5 is exciting. And as someone who's a huge CS fan, even though it doesn't really correlate to, you know, Xbox, if you will, I'm someone who, like, I'm waiting for Source Engine 2 to come out. Mm -hmm. And maybe with Unreal 5, we're going to start to see is Source, like, we all know Source Engine 2 is going to be kind of, it'll be crazy when it does come out, right? But, like, Unreal Engine 5 has been coming for a long time, and I think we can kind of look to see what Unreal Engine 5 has to offer to maybe be a little bit of like an indicator of what Source 2 could be if Valve ever makes it. And as of right now, I'm hoping Valorant continues to gain uh, gain popularity and, and push CS because we need a fire lit under Valve's ass just like we need a, a fire needed a fire lit under the Coalition's ass. And maybe getting to see what they can do with Unreal Engine 5 will be that fire that it needs. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And again, I'm I'm saying this as someone who was a huge Gears of War 1, 2, and 3 fan. I know there's a lot of people out there that have enjoyed the later releases, and I did as well, and I'm not saying that they're bad, but from a campaign standpoint, I think that there's a lot left to offer with, with Gears of War because, you know, honestly, even though I'm I'm a huge Halo fanboy, as, as it's clearly obvious, mm-hmm. I'm someone who, like, loved the Gears of War campaigns and thought that they were potentially better than the Halo campaigns for the first three games. Uh, and that's saying that with like that, that doesn't, I'm not saying that lightly. If I say that games are better than Halo campaigns, like that's legit. There's not a whole lot of games out there, <laughs> especially in the shooter realm that can fit that, that MO or that mantra. Oh yeah, for sure. Definitely. Yeah. I, I, I am just really excited to see, what this team because of how detailed and how beautiful and how how do i want to say this just the attention to detail that went into not only uh, obviously gears 4 but in gears 5 i mean but gears 4 as well that seeing the jump that gears 4 between gears 4 and gears 5 and how non I want to say I don't want to say it's non-linear because it is a linear experience but how the levels in that game were much more expansive and how how Gears 5 really kind of showed that this franchise is in an evolutionary state and it's not just oh it's not just your basic cover shooter anymore there's added elements of you know it it in it I don't want to say enforce, but it, it motivated exploration throughout these levels that you can go and upgrade certain things. You can go and, you know, find different secrets, secrets throughout the environments, new ways to approach different areas. Like it was rewarding. And that was one of the things that I always loved about 
God of War on PS5 or PS4. Well, technically PS5 too. If you want to look at it that way, but uh, God of War on PlayStation, the newest iteration, I should say, 2018. So that it took that franchise, and while it was still a very linear experience, you did have quote unquote side quests. You did have, you know, you were able to go to certain different areas throughout your time. You know, she so yeah, some areas were cut off and it did feel very, you know, singular at one point, but there was some, it, it rewarded exploration if you wanted it there. If not, you can just keep going on the main path, whatever, but it rewarded you for going off the beaten path a little bit and not to the extent of, Hey, this is a big lush open world, but enough to where you don't feel confined to a single road. And that's what I really loved about, Gears 5, especially from their campaign, but I want to see with UE5 and how amazing already the attention to detail graphically that were done with textures and facial animations and everything like that with Gears 5, like on a, you know, and playing this on, no, granted, I think I, yeah, I, I played on a 1X at the time, so, but also playing it on a 1S, too, and, like, seeing the level of detail being able to be handled on that, knowing that seeing what, you know, and even playing around a little bit with the early access build of UE5 and how much detail in the photogrammetry that's going into that and the level of detail that that's going to be able to add, like, it's going to be stupid. This is whatever the coalition, and it sounds like they have another project in the works outside of Gears, uh, Gear Six, obviously that is for sure coming. Um, and I'm not going to spoil Gears Five, but it very much so is. There's going to be Gear Six, um, but it sounds like they have more projects maybe outside of Gears as well. Um, so I'm curious to see what that looks like and what they can achieve with that, but the tech that we're seeing now with Unreal Engine 5 and especially like the character creation, uh, the metahuman character creation as well, like it's stupid. Like it is this level of detail and this level of immersion that's going to be possible with these games in these projects with Unreal Engine 5, knowing that it's going to be possible on a, not just, not just like a high end PC, like, this is going to be available on... This technology is going to be scalable to consoles. And scalable not in a way of diminishing the experience or the level of detail that you're going to get. Like, it's it's just nuts. It is absolutely nuts that we're going to see these... The content that is made by this powerful of a tool set be able to bring to console, specifically with a high-level first-party developer like the Coalition is stupid. I mean, it's just stupid. I'm just so excited to just see what that looks like from that team. Not just, you know, the, you know, quick demo that Epic put out, you know, showcasing what their own product looks like. I want to see this from an outside party. Of, you mm -hmm. know, give them the keys. Let's just see what they come up with, you know, in a, you know, condensed window type of thing. So, I'm really excited about that, but Anyway, Mike, let's wrap up the show here before we finish with Party Chat. And if you're new to the show, Party Chat is where we propose one question at the end of each week of the show that we just want to discuss. Could be as simple as, what are you playing? What's your favorite story be in the game? Things like that. Or it could be a little more serious, like negative stigmas involving games and mental health and things like that. 
And then after we answered ourselves, we'll kick it over to you to tweet your responses to our question over on our Twitter at GPGC Podcast. Or if you want to email us too, you can do so at bonusaccessory at gmail.com. And we'll read some of them possibly the following week. Last week's question, what is one studio within the family of Xbox Game Studios that you would love to see step out of their quote-unquote comfort zone and develop a title that is completely different from their uh, from the style that they're known for? So, example, Playground Games. They're known for the Forza Horizon series um, and more of racing-centric. Now they're developing the Fable reboot. Kind of out of their comfort zone going to an RPG. So, and Trevor Y emailed in saying id software or id, yeah, id software, obviously, with a a character action game like Devil May Cry. That'd be pretty cool. (laughs) This week's question, though, Mike, it's going to be a toughie, I think. Outside of the Halo franchise, what is one title or franchise within the Xbox Game Studios family of franchises that you wish you could go back and experience for the first time again? Um, it's gonna make you think. It isn't. I could. Uh, I could. I could just say Ninja Gaiden, and that's just such a cop out. <laughs> I, I feel like I deserve to give to give the listeners something a little bit better than that. Like that's the first game that pops into my mind is Ninja Gaiden for sure. Mm-hmm. But if I really sit here and really stew on the juices a little bit and really think about it, um. You know, we already talked about it. We already talked about this franchise a little bit on the show. Um, but I really would like to go back and play Gears of War, the first one again, with either you or, you know, when I was younger, I played with Adam. But me and Adam were kind of like the couch co-op people for, for Gears of War and even Halo. Mm-hmm. So I really wish I could go back and play Gears of War 1 with Adam for the first time again, Mm -hmm. uh, and just experience the beauty that was that game from start to finish. I remember seeing that game's, um, like, trailer on on, uh, TV and being like, holy shit. Yeah, being like, holy shit, I have to play that game. That game looks sick. And that's back when trailers were, like, just incredible. You know what Mm -hmm. I mean? They were were built well. Uh, I I loved it. So I would definitely say that. Uh, I would definitely go with Gears of War, uh, Epic's Gears of War. Yeah, that is hands down easily one of the most memorable trailers of all time in game, period, hands down. Um, It's tough to say on my end because like now that, oh, Bethesda is within the fold technically, like, of course, I want to say Oblivion or of course, I want to say Morrowind even too. But like thinking about it, Gears is up there. I would I wouldn't necessarily be like super hesitant to say like gears or it's tough to say man not that I can't think of like oh there isn't anything that I want to but like For me, it was like a little bit of like a there's just so many that I could I could like play and not be mad about. Right. Yeah. And that's that's kind of my thing that. Because Halo is such a like I, I didn't want to say Halo because that was like probably anybody who plays an Xbox. That's probably going to be their pick. Um
Mm. God, this is tough. Stumped himself, folks. I did. I stumped myself. I'm the one who set all this shit up, and I stumped myself. <laughs> I would have to say... To be honest, I would probably, looking at at least the franchises that we have here, I would probably have to say, like, granted, I don't remember, like, a, like I, I shouldn't say that. I, I don't have, I don't have, like, oh, super fond, like, and not, like, Ocarina of Time fond memories with it. But, like, going back and playing, like, Knights of the Old Republic from Obsidian, like, the first time getting to play that on a console and being, like, somebody who grew up loving Star Wars, that, and seeing this kind of, like, completely new era of Star Wars or new sect of Star Wars that I've never touched before or really knew much about, you barely heard it mentioned too much, like, type of thing that is out of you know, the mainstream realm of Star Wars and seeing it brought to the forefront and getting lost in that game as a kid, like, it, it's pretty special. Like, I would, that's, it, look, thinking about that now, like, sitting down and kind of thinking about it, like, because the, like I said, the, the Bethesda thing is a cop-out now that I can do, because I can go back and be like, oh, like, playing Doom for the first time, or like, you know, stuff like that. Now that Bethesda's all under this wing, but like, and while those games I completely associate with Xbox, like Morrowind, figuring out what The Elder Scrolls was back in 2002 or whatever it was with Morrowind and, like, playing that game and somebody who loved, you know, fantasy, you know, RPG-ish, like, adventure games, you know, primarily because of Zelda, like, and having that ability, making my character in all, like, Elder Scrolls game or in Morrowind, I should say, at that point, like, always link and naming it link and like going through and playing the game. Like that's an easy one for me, but like think outside of the box, looking at their like stable of studios now, like I definitely think Knights of the Old Republic with Obsidian was something that really stood out to me now looking back on it that like, I would like to go back and play that with fresh eyes again, like, and be like, see that for me as somebody whose Star Wars love has even evolved more now to like have that state of mind and wish I knew that like going into it and know what I know about star Wars now, even more like it would be fun, but I you know, you know what I'm, I'm going to also just because I do feel like even gears of war, like as good as it is, I still almost feel like it's almost a cop out. Mm -hmm. I'm going to go it because it's getting, you know, brought back to life as a franchise. Okay. Which is a little bit of a spoiler alert. <laughs> I know I've already given two because I said Ninja Gaiden, which is total cop-out. Gears of War, still a little bit of a cop-out, in my humble opinion. Okay. I'm going to go with Lionheart and Fable. Ooh. The first the first Fable. I like it a lot. That's that's going to be, like, my, my ultimate pick. Now, all three, all worthy, but Fable definitely feels like a game that you know, I like a little it. bit, a little bit more uh, off the reservation, if you will. No, that's actually really good. To be honest, I didn't even think about that because I'm thinking of like looking at the studio lineup now and Lionhead Studios, like they gone. Like <laughs> so, I wasn't even thinking about that and thinking about Playground with Fable. Now, I I just so associate Playground with um with Forza anymore. So it's like, but no, that's a good pick. It's a good pick. I like it. So. 
But Mike, I think that's going to do it for episode this week. Why don't you tell people where they can find you on the interwebs to talk about everything we talked about, whether it's all the stuff with live service games and hopefully not coming to Dead Space and unfortunately <laughs> coming to Assassin's Creed or Gears and Unreal Engine 5, all that jazz. Where can people find you on the interwebs to talk about all of the nerdy stuff we talked about today? You can find me on Twitter at T-O-I-S-X-L-D-I-E-R. That's Toy Soldier uh, with a second O as an X. Or on Twitch at MP underscore Toy Soldier. Nice, nice. And as always, I'm your host, Travis White, a.k.a. Travelist on most internet platforms, including at Travelist underscore on Twitter. That's T-R-A-V-L-E-S-S underscore. You could also find me streaming time to time on Twitch.tv slash Travelist underscore, same as Twitter. And if you want to play some video games with me, you can do so over on Xbox Live, it's just regular old Travelist. That's T-R-A-V-L-E-S-S, no underscore. One day I'll get it all under there. Don't worry. But, ladies and gentlemen, this has been your newest episode of the Game Pass. GameCast, your weekly go-to podcast for all things Xbox. Xbox Game Pass and PC gaming, including news, rumors, and conversation around them damn good video games. You can catch new episodes of the show when they drop each and every Friday morning on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, and all other major podcast services. So, be sure to subscribe to us, raise, review us, all that jazz I tell you every week, wherever you get a podcast at. And follow us on Twitter at GPGC Podcast. Stay up to date with everything we're on the show, video games like, and our dope giveaways. Mike, I think that's going to do it for our episode this week. Thank you everyone so much for listening, sharing, and being a part of our growing community. Game on, wash your hands, listen to the doctors, Black Lives Matter, and we will see you next week. <laughs>